Our first scripture reading is Matthew 18, 15 through 20. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let, it, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there, I, there am I among them. Our next scripture reading is Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from evil conscience and our bodies washed with the pure water. Let us hold fast to our confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. Let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting the meeting together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The word of God. So one time recently, I lost Winnie, which is pretty common in my house. Um, she disappears, and, um, and if you know Winnie, you know that is a big problem, um, disappearing Winnie. So I looked all over for her, as always, and you got to look under stuff and in stuff, behind stuff, on top of stuff, um, and I found her in our closet. Um, she was behind a bunch of clothes. She didn't have any on, um, obviously, because uh, that's Winnie. Uh, she didn't have any on, but she was behind, like, Corey's, like, old suit jackets, like, in the very back of the closet, and you could just see her feet standing out behind it. Um, and when I got her out, she was completely covered head to toe in lotion, just like all of it. She got into some nice lotion of mine and decided just to bathe in it. Um, because how many know being a parent is really messy. It's really messy. Um, and one time, this wasn't too recently, Eden was probably about three. We took her to this nice German restaurant in Overton, because that's what every three-year-old wants to eat, German. Um... We took her to this nice German restaurant in Overton, and I ordered one of my favorite things on the menu, which is bacon roasted Brussels sprouts, which to an adult, if you like Brussels sprouts, it's awesome. Um, so I insisted, being a good parent, and it's a vegetable, that she should try one. Like, you don't have to eat the whole thing. I really want you to try one. And we're at this nicer German restaurant. It's in Overton. Eden eats one, and she promptly, she pukes on the table. Um, very quickly. So I told Corey, like, tip, like, 7,500%. I don't care. Let's just put all the money on the table, clean up, and just run. Let's just get out of here. <laughs> Let's just get out, right? Because sometimes being a parent is really gross. It's gross. There's no two ways about it. And one time when I was about 18, I was in my parents' kitchen, like, taking it back. And I got into an argument with one of my youngest brothers. I have two brothers. They're twins. They're younger. And we got into a fight. 
which happens when you're a teenager. They're five years younger than me, so if I was 18, he was 13. We got into a fight, which eventually got into a literal physical fight, and uh, he punches me in the face. Now, he's at 13, you're at that stage where your body is a grown man, but your mind still isn't. Um, and so I'm only five foot tall, um, and I'm not grown ever. Um, and so he hits me in the face and he knocks me out like cold on the ground. I'm gone. It's done. And, um, when I come to my sister's helping me up like a good sister, she's helping me up. But my oldest brother has walked in. I have a bunch of siblings. My oldest brother walks in at that point, and when I come to, I see him having my youngest brother up against the fridge and yelling, you don't hit girls. Um, he came in as a savior. Because how many know that being a part of a family, there is going to be conflict? And being a part of a family sometimes means pain. It did in my instance. And the same is true in the family of God. It's no different. It's messy. It's painful. It can occasionally be sickening. I can almost guarantee that there's not a person in this room that has not been hurt by a member of the church, the big C church. You've been somewhere. You've been hurt. Or maybe even the little C church of this community. Maybe you've been hurt in one way or the other. Maybe you were kicked out. Maybe you were asked to leave. Maybe they just didn't provide a space for you. Maybe you felt left out. Or maybe you felt left too in, like they gave you all the stuff. They gave you all the responsibilities. Like it was all at your feet. It was all on you. You were overwhelmed by the tasks. Maybe you felt used. Maybe, maybe you were even abused. That happens in the church. But these issues are not new. And they're not new to this church. And they're not new to any church. And they're not new to the big C church at large. We see in our first scripture reading that the early church was not unaccustomed to conflict, to this messiness. Jesus is speaking about what you should do if you're sinned against. Jesus hasn't even left earth yet. I know when I was preparing for this, I was reading through Matthew. I even texted Corey. I was like, this is Jesus talking, right? And he was like, yes, it's Matthew. That's Jesus. Um, and I was like, I was just making sure because he is telling the church what to do with conflict, and he hasn't even left earth yet. There's no resurrection that has even happened, but he knew that we were going to need a plan for when we messed it all up. He had made the provision for us ruining it. He knew. He knew, because he was under no illusion that this would be simple. He was under no illusion that this would be easy or that this would be unmessy. Which brings me to my illustration. These are plants. I don't know what kind of plants. We can ask somebody else later. They're just two plants, seemingly identical. If you don't think they're identical, just pretend. Just they're they're pink flowery plants, right? Um, seemingly identical plants, except for this one, right? The stems they're pretty perfect. The flowers are all perfect. Everything's real symmetrical, right? It's pretty. You get this one? Less perfect. Um, not as good. It's kind of withering on this side. I kind of dropped it, and some of the um, stuff is coming off. Uh, only one side seems to be growing. This one, not so much. This side, lots of growth. It's looking pretty, though, right? It's cute. 
They're nice. But there's one major difference between the two. Anybody know? Not Chuck. He knows the answer. <laughs> Eden told him. <laughs> Any, anybody know the difference? You can't tell? Well, this one's fake. This one's not real. I'm glad y'all couldn't tell. That makes me so happy. <laughs> this one is not real. I bought it from Ikea. This one is real. I bought it from Lowe's. <laughs> But the same is true in the body of Christ. Either we got some real good growing parts and some that don't grow so fast. Either it's marred and has scars or it's a lie. It's fake. It's a charade. It's pretend. Because Jesus had no expectation of our perfection. Right? That's really good, so I'm going to say it again. Jesus had no expectation of our perfection. Zero. So we must heed his words about what to do when imperfection comes. Because it's going to come. Not just his words in Matthew 18 that Laura read for us about go to a brother when you're sinned against. But we must follow all the words and the ways of Christ that say that we must apologize often. We must repent regularly. And we must forgive consistently. So saying all that, right, ask this question. If community is hard, if community is complicated, if community and family is messy, if it's painful, why do we do it? Why are we here? Eugene Peterson says this. He says, there is nobody... Some double negatives coming up, y'all. There is nobody who doesn't have problems with the church because there's sin in the church. But there is no other place to be a Christian. No other place. Our very Christianity demands our community. To be completely honest, there are Sundays, probably numerous, um, that I wake up and I don't come here to worship. We're going to be honest this morning. That's not my intent in coming. That's not why I woke up this morning. Maybe I came because I wanted the promise of donuts and coffee and conversation with someone that's not too grown-ups. Maybe I came out of social obligation. You expect to see me here, so I'm here. Maybe I came because I needed to talk to Sherry about Penny Hardaway. This is an important conversation that needs to be had. Do y'all think they're going to bring little Penny back? I don't know. Let's, that's another, it's another conversation. But in my honesty, I can tell you I'm not always here to worship. But worship is what I do when I get here. Worship is what I do when I find this place. Because I consistently find truth in the hymns, and I find grace in confession, and I find Jesus in this place. And I do that because of the accountability of you people in the body of Christ. We sang my favorite hymn this morning, Come Thou Fount. I'm sure it's many people's favorite hymn. And recently a friend of mine posted on Facebook a picture of something she hung in her home. It was really cool, like rustic looking, and it had like in a circle... Uh, the uh, phrase from uh, it is well on it and it said it is well on it. 
and I told Corey, I said, that is really cool. I would like something just like that with a phrase from Come Thou Fount on it. And he was like, oh, that would be awesome. Would you want, like, to my heart to see thy grace or how I'll sing thy wondrous grace? And I was like, no, not at all. I was thinking more like, bind my wandering heart to thee. Or um, maybe, you know, uh, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. And he just looked at me like I was ridiculous. And he said, girl, you know that is not the uplifting part. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I do. I know it's not the uplifting part, but in my opinion, it's one of the most real lines of any hymn I've ever heard. Because without the church, my little wandering feet could end up anywhere. I need the church to remind me of my path to faith. And I need the church to point me to the direction of grace. And sometimes I need the church to bind me to Jesus. The church is not only needed to hold us accountable and to hold us close to Jesus, but for growth in Christ. So back to our previous illustration. If this one is fake, this one can do something that this one can't. Y'all know that one? Grow. There we go. Corey said I was bringing out my old youth pastor. He's like, you got illustrations? And, um, but yeah, that one can grow. So this is the perfect evangelist time to say, well, this is what you would expect an evangelist to say. Well, healthy churches grow, right? Real churches grow. Real churches grow. And initially, that might conjure up ideas of numerical growth, which is all well and good, but it's so much more than that. Because the real answer is Christians in a church must grow. Christians in a church are required to grow. That's why I need to sit in Sunday school and hear opinions that are not like mine, that push me to go read and study. That's why I need to hear words from this pulpit that rub up against my preconceived ideas and that push me to faith and that push me to growth. We need the diversity of community to push us to the ways of Jesus. Our second scripture reading reinforces one of the most important reasons we need the church. Most of us know this one well. It was probably in like your Bible drill or whatever. Um, Do not deny the assemblings of yourself together as is the custom of some. And we normally stop right there because that's the good part, right? Because that means you have to go to church. Um, So do not deny the assemblings of yourselves together as is the custom of some, but encourage one another. We're not here just to sit and look at each other. That's not the point. We're here to encourage one another, as Scripture says. The encouragement of community is vital to the life of a Christian. And I know it because it's vital to the life of this Christian. Some of you know the story of how we ended up here. Some of you might not, but for most of you know that we've been looking for churches for a long time. For for a long, long time. And Corey was still in seminary. And he had the faith community that was seminary. He had professors and people and and those kind of things. But I didn't. I was at home, and I had a four-year-old and a newborn, like a new newborn. Um, And and we just couldn't find a home. And, And to be completely honest, I really felt like I was drowning. Um. Not in in the newness of the baby, which you can 
quickly do, but I felt like I was drowning in isolation. I didn't work. I didn't have an outlet. I didn't have anything else. And I was just home with these kids, and I was by myself, and I had no community. So every week I researched churches, and every weekend we tried a new one for four straight months. We didn't care what they were, Presbyterian, Lutherans. I mean, if you had a, a cross on your door, we probably walk in there. Um, we, we tried them all. When I walked into this place, yeah, I had a list of my theological needs, but what I really wanted was someone just to say a kind word to me. I wanted someone to shake my hand and show me to the coffee, and I really wanted someone to hold my baby or to ask to hold my baby and like mean it. Like not, hey, you want me to hold that baby, but like, do you want me to hold your baby? Do you want me to let you go to the bathroom for a minute? Like I wanted those things. They were deep in, in who I was. I wanted someone to see me as a human being, as a person. I wanted to feel that encouragement, and I wanted to feel that love. And I found those things, and I feel those things week after week after week in this place. And since then, mo most of you know I've had a myriad of low points. There are many points where I felt very low, and you guys have consistently and continually been there. Because we need each other. We need each other. Maxine, I'm going to pick on her for just a second, but she's going to need the love and the support and the food and the cards and the people that are coming her way in the next week. She wouldn't admit it. She might not ask for it, but we'll be there. And she'll need it because she needs us and we need her. We need her. We all need the consistency that comes from knowing that there is a group of people that cares deeply for us and wants what's good for us and expresses that to one another. We all need that. And we're about to continue in that love and encouragement in the form of communion. Communion essentially means the act of sharing or holding in common. The cup will be a common cup, and we will break our bread together. We will celebrate an open table, meaning wherever you are on your journey of faith, you are welcome to partake with us. Whether you're the withering branch or the growing one, or whether you're the pieces that aren't even attached at all, you're welcome at the table of Christ. Because essentially, it's not our table. We could attempt to welcome you to our table, but it's not ours. It doesn't belong to us. It belongs to the Lord, and we're allowed to gather around it. We're allowed to gather around it. Coming together is a beautiful uh, coming together for communion is a beautiful picture of what we're called to be as community. A place where we remember who Christ is together. Together. Now I've asked Sherry to come and help me serve communion today. Neither one of us are ordained. Um, but that's not what matters at the table. What matters is being a part of a community and extending the cup of salvation the bread of life, to our brothers and sisters. Sherry, if you could come. Martha, if you could start. I'm going to give a couple instructions before we start.